other piece, which is, you know, no coincidence, I'm on the Thriving Thriving Lawyers podcast, is that we're taking <laughs> a page from positive psychology. And rather than focusing or calling things like anxiety workshop or burnout workshop, we want to start mm -hmm. focusing on what makes a thriving lawyer. What are the, yeah. like, what can people aim for? Because if situation like this is going to be ongoing, for example, dealing with this uncertainty, you know, we have to get it in our heads. Oh, this is this new normal and I'm going to still thrive. Right. Or who are those right. people at the firm who are thriving and how can we emulate them and teaching people those skills? Welcome back to the Thriving Lawyers podcast. In this week's episode, join Michael Kahn for an informative and lively interview with Catherine Adamenko, the manager of well-being for Ropes and Gray, an international law firm with 1,400 lawyers. Have you noticed changes? I know you've said that the legal, fortunately, the legal culture has changed in terms of valuing well-being, uh, obviously hiring, making creating a position of manager of well-being, which is awesome. What kind of things have you noticed? What kind of positive changes have you noticed overall in the legal community mm -hmm. and uh, <clears throat> Ropes Gray specifically have yeah. you noticed? I'll, I'll start with the legal. I'm very active in the legal well-being community, and I'm just so impressed within these few short years um, you know, the, the, the strong bonded communities. So I'm really grateful to have colleagues at other firms and um, other leaders um, coming together as a community. And the thing that's come out of it, and then of course, you know, how do we maneuver all of this through the pandemic, which exacerbates so many of the mental health and substance use issues around lawyer well-being, right? That kind of already was in crisis mode for, you know, mm -hmm. or on elevated levels. It really fostered this intense innovation and information sharing um, that I think I can only hope that is happening in other industries as well. Um, maybe it's because of just lawyers in general, right? Because it is, it's a fascinating combination of personalities you get, just like you mentioned with Chris, right? He's a practicing attorney with a specialization in well-being. Um, you're a former, you know, attorney turned counselor. Um, and then you get people like me who are just veteran kind of program managers and co a wellness coach and then you find executive coaches you get people from attorney development who work only with lawyers so we're this incredible mm -hmm. uh community and it's really been about information sharing and innovation to push for solutions right during these times yeah. um um yeah so that's that's on go ahead Catherine. oh no no go ahead sorry <laughs> Well, I was going to give a shout out to um, the Institute for Well-Being and Law mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned, Ann Bradford, and uh, Bree Buchanan. Bree Buchanan is the president, uh, and and Ann is the mm -hmm. vice president. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're they're out there doing um, a lot of good work, and I think there's I think they're having a conference 
in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know the exact dates, but um, you can go to their website, lawyerwellbeing.net. Mm-hmm. And they even have a podcast, actually. And they've got tons of resources on there. Uh, so lawyerwellbeing.net, I would hi- highly recommend. And it looks like, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm on their website now. January 19 to 21 mm-hmm. yep. is the inaugural conference, Redesigning the Legal Profession for a Better Future. Um, and then in May, they're having a well-being week in law. So, and you're probably, I think you might be involved with some of this stuff, Catherine, right? I am. Yep. I was uh, really honored to be on the advisory board along with our CHRO, Erica Murphy from the firm for uh, this past year's Wellbeing Week in Law. And then I was a panelist um, around wellbeing and diversity for the after party. I love it. It made me feel so cool that I was actually at an after party. Of course, this after like, party yeah, like was after the Oscars. Yeah. yeah, this after party was at three o'clock in the afternoon and not three o'clock in the morning. Um, but I was really honored to be part of it. And, um, yeah, and you know, they're, they're like the glue, right? They're, they're the glue, but I will say one other thing. And I think you, Mm -hmm. um, that I'd like to share about kind of the, the wellbeing community of real partner. I am on the, uh, American Bar Association Commission on Lawyer Assistance Programs, COLAP. I'm on their wellbeing Mm -hmm. committee specifically um, working around ple- the, the well-being pledge signatories. And yeah. so they play a pivotal role as well. Um, so between the COLAP well-being committee and now the Institute for Well-being and Law, you've got these two incredible organizations um, working to bring information, resources, experts together, as well as the people, the signatories, and the people actually running the programming themselves. So I feel really lucky to be um, kind of part of both. And the other piece I'll mention, because I, I want to make sure I mention this before we <laughs> end, is right. leveraging, you know, if I am speaking right now to any person in charge of well-being at their firm, is leveraging the lawyer assistance programs. And it's mm-hmm. something that we're formally doing at ropes and grid. Yeah. When you say formally doing, what do you mean by that? So I've reached out to all of our state contacts and then I've reached internally to our office managing partners at each of our US offices and key uh, key people at the office themselves, whether they're part of the well-being committee or they're um, you know, we have representation from uh DEI, attorney development. We have key players from each office because, and then we're setting up a meeting for all of us to meet together and introduce the LAP contact and making sure the leadership in each office knows about the programming and resources available. Yeah, lawyer assistance programs, or, or it's called different different things in, in some states. Lawyers concerned for lawyers um, in in the U.S. and in Canada. It's such a such a great resource. Of course, I'm biased. I'm a counselor for the LAP in uh, Vancouver, Canada. But just I've seen firsthand with my clients, but my colleagues' clients, just the benefit of being able to go for free. I don't know if any of them at LAPS actually charge anything um, 
to be able to do what, what you did with your director, and I know your director wasn't a counselor, isn't a counselor, but to be able to, to vent, to talk about, process feelings, concerns, uh, come up with solutions, um, be held accountable, to have someone who they, you, know, you, you can commit to saying, I am going to do this between our session today and the next time we meet, and then mm-hmm. being accountable the next time to either I did it or I didn't do it, and then talk about, well, let's talk about why it didn't happen, not in a judging way, but in a let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Let's, what were the obstacles and how can, how, can, uh, how can you break through them? So I completely agree, and I'm glad you brought LAPS up because they are such a, mm. such a great resource for lawyers. And I know some lawyers have, are um, hesitant to reach out for help, uh, and it can take a little while. But uh, once you do, I think um, listeners out there, you'll find, for the most part, that it will be helpful. Um, so let me let me ask. And speaking of obstacles, um, what what obstacles do there continue to be? Uh, and and I know we're moving in a very positive direction as far as well being. And in the legal culture, what, what are the continued obstacles that you see, if any? Mm. Maybe you're not even seeing any. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> I think the elephant in the room, right, is the the uncertainty around the pandemic. Um, yeah. I, as a coach, you know, one of the things was when I would coach when I was a wellness coach. And I was coaching. Um, one of the re- reasons I love coaching is that you really help people see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? And only a few weeks ago, there was the light at the end of the tunnel, yeah. and people were right. kind of, oh, like hybrid work and yeah. getting back into routines and socializing yep. and light at the end of the mm-hmm. tunnel. And then what do you do when the light dims and lights up and dims and light, right? And so mm-hmm. you're dealing mm-hmm. with this. Um, I'm kind of bracing. I think that's the thing is, you know you think, oh, we did so much work on resiliency the last two years. Oh, it looks like we're going to continue this program, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the uncertainty I, that's what is I find. so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the biggest yeah. obstacle, I think, is helping people, you know, weather this storm with such great mm-hmm. levels of uncertainty. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where resiliency plays a huge piece. And then the other piece, which is, you know, no coincidence, I'm on the Thriving Thriving Lawyers podcast, is that we're taking <laughs> a page from positive psychology. And rather than focusing or calling things like anxiety workshop or burnout workshop, mm-hmm. we want to start mm-hmm. focusing on what makes a thriving lawyer. What are the yeah. like what can people aim for? Because if situation like this is going to be ongoing, for example, dealing with this uncertainty, you know, we have to get it in our heads. Oh, this is this new normal and I'm going to still thrive. Right. Or who are those people at the firm who are thriving and how can we emulate them and teaching people those skills? Yeah, I think that's great because we've dealt with adversity now over almost two years and how look back at how have we successfully dealt with, coped with the adversity. And, and also at the same time, it's important to name the fact that this is hard, <laughs> that, oh my gosh, really? 
it's not over yet. I thought I was seeing this light and now it's mm -hmm. dimming. Um, to acknowledge that, yeah, this is a this is discouraging. I certainly have been and am going through the dis being discouraged about um, the Omicron and the fact that it's we're not done yet. Um, we're not close to done yet, it seems. And, and that's hard and it can be discouraging. It's, and it's important to acknowledge that too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I want, I want to, I don't want to forget about, I, I mentioned when I introduced you the well-being and diversity mm -hmm. initiative and, and diversity, and you can speak more to this than me. It's not an accident that you have diversity and uh, integrated into programs on well-being, right? Mm -hmm. So speak yes. a little bit about your thoughts around diversity and well-being and, and what did that diversity look, what did the initiative look like or what does it look like? Yeah, it, it was an interesting evolution. Um, we had a workshop with uh, diversity and inclusion uh, expert, Michelle Silverthorne, who I, yep, I know of her. Oh, highly recommend. Yeah. And she gave a mm -hmm. series of workshops. And this is, um, you know, especially um, the timing, again, bringing her back and into the firm around the social unrest um, movement last year. And one workshop she gave in particular um, talked about the impact of social networks and being di how that can have an impact different from if you're from a, a diverse background and mm -hmm. a kind of a light bulb went off and i realized well how am i sourcing the people that i want to bring in how wide is my net mm -hmm. and i kind of had that aha moment like you know i never looked at it through the lens of diversity in that space, in that way. And I just decided, <laughs> I just like, I basically called my partner in DEI, which was fantastic because um, at the time she had been the former uh, co lead of the New York Well Being Committee. So she was already very passionate and committed to well being and started having conversation with her about it and co-developing just the tenets of what our well-being and diversity initiative would be and you know it was it was there were a few important things number one is making sure that we're casting a wide net when we're looking for instructors and and experts mm -hmm. and it's not just in my limited little circle but it's taking all experiences in so that was one thing we wanted to do for, you know, people of consideration um, and then reaching out to others for their recommendations and not just my little kind of, you know, go to people. The other one was mm -hmm. making sure that we brought people into the firm that represented everybody at the firm. So that was another piece as well. Um, and then the other one was to really embed it, that it just became practice. Um, that it was really important that I let all the well-being committee, local committees know, I let every vendor we were working with know is that we want to make sure that when you bring people to us or you're going to work with people that you are considering 
a wide network of people and not just your specific little network. So that one presentation, right. that one 10 minute bit of a presentation from Michelle Silverthorne just changed wow. the tra trajectory. Yeah, wow. it was, it was yeah. that impactful. And it was, yeah, yeah. this was around the yeah. anti-bias training. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're talking about affinity bias mm -hmm. where we, we just <laughs> stick with our, our small circle and our, our circles are often folks who look like us and who have similar backgrounds. And I think that's wonderful that you're doing that and you have to be intentional about it, right? You definitely, uh, cause it can be something that until you're mindful of it and intentional about it, you, you, you bring in the same folks. Mm -hmm. That's really neat. That just a short, that short experience with Michelle, that's, as a workshop presenter, mm -hmm. I love hearing that kind of stuff. Oh. <laughs> uh, the, the kind of seeds that she planted for you and, and how it, yeah. how they've sprouted. Um, so I want to give us some time. We have, we have a few minutes left, but I want to talk to you and you, and you have been very generous in, in some of your personal sharing. What, what is in some of your self care? What, what's, we talked about you sharing one of your go-tos mm. for your own self-care. So I want to invite you to do that now. Yeah. And it, it's funny because it's something I love to teach as much as I love to do. So we are going to practice a compassionate, mindful pause. And so, okay. yep. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask the listeners just to take a moment and just take in your surroundings. Just be like, okay, I'm here in this room and this is going on. And then now I'm going to ask you to close your eyes or gaze softly at the ground. I, if you can, it's better to close your eyes. And the first thing I notice every time I do this, I just take a deep sigh. <laughs> it's just kind of automatic, right? And we're going to take a moment now just to be, right? There's nothing to do, nothing to try to do. It's almost like taking your foot off the gas slowly as that car, you know, slowly comes to a stop. And then I'm going to ask everybody to take their hand and place it over their heart. It's kind of a universal gesture of kindness, compassion and gratitude and just sit with this feeling physical touch is also really important it's almost as if someone else's hand can be on your heart the only thing i'm going to ask you to do is say something nice to yourself maybe thanking yourself for being here today, taking time out for your well-being, maybe giving appreciation to your role as a mother, father, sister, brother, or just like say thank you. <laughs> and sometimes I'll just get a little mini smile, optional of course. And then when you're ready, open your eyes. 
You could take your hand off your heart. You know, open your eyes again back into the same space you were at. I have noticed a shift. I'm actually sitting up taller. I'm smiling. I feel better. I love that. <clears throat> Excuse me. That was great. Yeah, I feel more relaxed. I did the exercise. Um, boy, there were so many elements of that that I really liked. I love that car imagery. Mm. The cars, the taking your foot off of the gas and just imagining the car slowing down. I could even hear. Mm. I, I was imagining my car was on like a dirt road, and I could hear that sound when a car slows down on dirt. And um, and the, the hand on the heart, I, I agree that's such an important piece, that physical touch with ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then saying something nice to ourselves, the, the compassionate piece. Um, we don't have time to talk much about Kristen Neff, but mm. her work, um, and folks want to look her up. I think it's self-compassion.com. I think it's dot com. Um, yeah, check that. Check me out on that one, Catherine. But okay. Um, and saying something nice to yourself, and 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 Kristen Neff says it can be even more important to actually use your name, as if a friend is saying this nice thing to you, or a loved one. So those were that was a really nice exercise, and and it only was. What, maybe a couple minutes, Catherine? Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. These, you know, these little micro mm -hmm. interventions, they just add up. Mm -hmm. And I did look it up. Mm -hmm. It's self-compassion.org. Mm -hmm. Got it. Great. Thank you. I encourage everyone to, to check out uh, Kristen Neff's website. And for, as, as you said, Catherine, when we started, lawyers definitely are about, right, I need to see some evidence for this stuff you're recommending for me. Well, what's the evidence that this is helpful? Uh, which, which is completely, I get it. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kristen Neff has done hundreds, either herself or uh, has read and integrated other folks' research around the benefits of self-compassion. So I highly uh, recommend you all uh, check that out. That was a great activity, Catherine. <laughs> and you do that with your lawyers at the firm? Yeah, I do with just about anybody. One of our strategies this year mm -hmm. is embedding you our like pull, programming. Pull some, you're on the street and you pull just pull someone aside and say, hey, let me do this yeah. exercise with you right now. <laughs> well, no, what I did is I made a very conscious, <laughs> I wrote a, I wrote a very conscious email to, to, to chiefs and practice group leaders, department heads, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And basically saying, I can offer, you know, mindfulness and yoga and presentations and resource overviews, you know, we call it a menu of options. And one of them is, you know, this small little intervention, right, at a town hall mm -hmm. or to kick off a meeting. Um, and so I've yeah. done this or like if I'm doing a larger presentation, I'll add this piece in sometimes I'm doing it team meetings. Um, and letting people know, right, this is, you know, these small little interventions, um, making sure, you know, not asking people to add on well-being, but actually being stealthy, right? So the, is that stealthy yes. way of getting it in. 
I like that. We we actually had to be stealthy back when we started doing programs uh, uh, around um, well-being. We had to be stealthy with getting it in. You couldn't even have that in the title about 10 years ago. <laughs> we had to bring it in through the back door, truly. When we were oh, my God. You couldn't have meditation. Programs. You couldn't even have the word meditation. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's right. come a long right. way. Yeah. So... Um, and and just for the listeners again, that was called compassionate mindful pause, mm-hmm. the uh, exercise that Catherine just did. So Catherine, we're we're getting towards the end here, but I wanted to ask you if there's anything, any questions that I haven't asked, or any information that you'd like to share that um, you think would be helpful for the listeners to hear. You know what? I thank you for that opportunity, and I will mm-hmm. leave you with the, with. Um, just it's for both lawyers and if, or anybody listening who's doing any programming for lawyer well-being. I have a new approach, a new strategy. I kind of call it the three E's. And I mentioned one of them um, as embedding programming. But what's really important, what I learned about while I created this strategy, it's about expanding access, especially about expanding access to providers. As I mentioned, embedding programming well-being programming into existing calendars and then engaging effectively, which, you know, learning how to be a little bit more nimble and partnering with your marketing and communications team, for example, um, that's for program managers, right? So, you know, really taking that, you know, in making sure you're programming on, you know, are you maximizing the resources you have regarding providers Are you uh, getting the experts to the lawyers themselves? Um, Are you able to bring in other kinds of experts? You know, one of the the switches that we're very interested in is when we bring in our CLE programming is now we're really already, we're really interested in having a practicing attorney talk about it, right? So there's a little bit Mm -hmm. more uh, a relation there. Um, but outside right. of well-being, you know, following that strategy for people programming well-being, it's funny. I have a slide on this, and it has that justice scale, right? It's it goes both ways. A well-being program can have you can have the best programming in the world, but if you're not teaching the lawyers and legal professionals how to best access it, <laughs> it's right. not going to be of much use. So I also kind of make it a dual responsibility. So speaking to now people like lawyers and legal professionals uh, listening to this, are you doing everything you can to get the resources and information that you need, right? Do you know the number of your employee assistance program? Do you know where to reach out to your to your lawyer assistance program? Um, have you even registered your medical benefit right online to see a network of providers, right? That's one thing. Um, you know, responsibility, if you want more well-being and you're really busy, can you talk to your leader to be like, hey, at our next team meeting, I'd really love to see, love to do a yoga class, or I'd love to do some mindfulness. Can we bring that into the next monthly meeting that we have? And the other one is, you know, um, engaging effectively. Are you actually (laughs) taking part in what you can and are able to take part in? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And to your credit, and we talk about this uh, in when we talk about well-being. That it's of course in, important to you, you only have control over your own 
well-being. And it's important for you to do everything we've talked about here to strengthen and bolster your resilience and your well-being. And it's so important that the cultures of where you work are healthy and encourage that because if it's if they're not then you're really swimming against the tide as as an individual if you're working in an unhealthy place that doesn't value it clearly ropes gray value, uh, values uh well-being and and that's speaks highly of you and of of ropes gray as a place to work uh so i have one more question for you Catherine. Mm-hmm. and what you mentioned resources are there any and this is not something I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here. I didn't didn't uh, tell you to think about this before the uh, podcast. But is there a book or two that you would say you'd recommend to listeners um, that is uh, focuses on well being mm-hmm. in some in some fashion? Yeah, I can recommend is kind of like the go to place to get all the book recommend recommendations you could ever want in podcasts and articles and resources. Mm-hmm is the Greater Great. Good Science Center. Um, yes, thank you. The no Greater welcome. Good Science. Now, one of the reasons is they also yeah. have this fabulous, I did it like four years ago, the Science of Happiness class. <laughs> yes. That I, that's where I class? learned all about Kristen Neff, right? <laughs> so, ah, oh, cool. So okay. the Greater Good Science Center, sign up for their newsletter. Um, absolutely. Mm. Um, you mentioned Kristen Neff in her book. Mm-hmm. Um, a, I am a, I love Kelly McGonigal. She wrote yes. the book, the upside of stress. I have the joy of mm-hmm. movement up on my desk, uh, on my table here that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, God, there's so many, um, any book by Martin Seligman. And if, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if you're really a bit nerdy, then the book flow by Mahali mm-hmm. Chiksent Mahai. Um, but if Good you just job look, on that last name. Yeah, it's sent Mahai. But <laughs> yeah. again, you'll find that yeah. on the Greater Good Science Center. But the book on flow, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you put in like flow book, I believe, on Google, it'll come up. Um, yeah. yeah. And the concepts of flow, you could read a lot about it. Um, yeah. And then the TED Talks. Um, Amy Cuddy has an, one of the most mm-hmm. listened to uh, pod, uh, talks on, uh, the power pose. So Amy Cuddy's concept of the power pose, Kelly McGonigal's Ted talk on why stress should be your friend and her books. Angela Duckworth, who wrote grit is another one. Mm -hmm. And then my latest favorite I was introduced to by the chair of the firm is Dr. Lori Santos and her happiness lab podcast in particular, her two episodes called Funtervention. So, um, which led me to the book, the power of fun and how to break up with your phone by Catherine price. So I know I put a handful of it. (laughs) That's great. I definitely did not catch you speechless with that question. You, no, you, you no. shared a it's lot of good ones. <laughs> but that's I'm, great. And I'll say, <clears throat> I'll say too, um, the Greater Good Science Center, absolutely. And they have a, a, um, a an additional website called Greater Good in Action. Mm. And uh, that lists activities mm. that you can do 
So I, I recommend the Greater Good in Action website as well. Perfect. Um, well, Catherine, you have already given me more than uh, more than the amount of time I asked you for. So I appreciate your generosity today. Uh, it was a pleasure. It went fast, as I knew it would. And um, thank you so much. And I hope our paths cross in person one day. I have family in New Jersey. So next time I'm in the area, I will reach out and maybe we can have coffee. That in, sounds in like a great somewhere. idea. Although, or even better, a bagel or a slice of pizza. Oh my God. First of all, <laughs> yes. I love the bagel or I'll bring some bagels to Vancouver for a nice breakfast. Oh, I like that too. Thank you, Catherine. And uh, we, we will uh, talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Thriving Lawyers podcast. We love hearing from our loyal listeners, so please feel free to email us any questions, comments, suggested topics, or guest recommendations at the following address, feedback at thrivinglawyerspodcast.com. The Thriving Lawyers podcast is brought to you by Real-Time Creative Learning Experiences, a national provider of continuing legal education and professional development programs that leave participants engaged, encouraged, and equipped to pursue meaningful and sustainable change in their practices, their lives, and the organizations they work in. And by Osborne Conflict Resolution, your experienced guides through the uncharted terrain of business and family law disputes based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Thriving Lawyers Podcast.